Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. This is episode number 1090 with Bob Proctor. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Henry Ford said, whether you think you can or you can't, either way, you are right. And author Rhonda Byrne said, we become what we think about. Energy flows where attention goes. Ooh, we've got a great guest today. My friend Bob Proctor is back in the house, back by popular demand. You guys loved the previous episodes we had with him, and this one is about to blow you away. He is the founder of the Proctor Gallagher Institute and is known for pioneering breakthrough work in the area of our conscious and unconscious minds. His insights, inspiration, systems, and strategies have transformed countless lives by motivating people to create career transformations, find inner awakenings, and attract abundant financial success. And in this episode, we discuss what the law of attraction is and how it works for your life, how to reprogram your minds for happiness and success, the skills everyone needs in order to make more money today, how to begin practicing gratitude in moments of complete stress and anger, and the best lessons Bob has learned over the last 85 years. This is going to be a game changer. If you enjoy this episode, make sure to check out my last couple interviews with Bob as well over at lewishouse.com slash 835 and 950 individually to check those out or you can check out the description in the show notes of this episode where you're listening to it right now and if you find this inspiring at any moment make sure to text a few friends or post this on social media and if this is your first time here please subscribe over on Apple Podcast or Spotify or anywhere that you're listening to this podcast and leave us a rating and review of the part you enjoyed the most at the end of this episode. Okay and just a moment i give you the one and only bob proctor welcome back everyone to the school of greatness podcast i am so excited we are here with an icon his middle name is success bob proctor is in the house bob it's always great to connect with you and i'm so grateful for your time thank you for being here lewis it's my pleasure i was just saying to uh our man in the control studio here i said this Lewis House is like the uh, Larry King online, and you really are. You've got uh, such a great following. You do great shows. Larry's gone, of course, but you're still here, and you're doing great. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah, and I know you've, I think you've done some interviews with Larry over the yep. years, yep. I'm assuming, and, and yep. as have I, so it was uh, sad to see him pass, yeah. but uh, he, he left a legacy, that's for sure, on so many people. And I wanted to ask you our first question for today is so much has happened in the last year, obviously, and I'm curious if you could share or reveal some of the shocking habits that you've noticed from some of the biggest performers in the world on how they've been able to handle adversity and thrive and what the difference is between the ones 
who have been successful during a challenging time of adversity for the world, what are the habits of those people thriving versus the other people that maybe who were successful but fell off a little bit over the last year? What would you say are some of those habits that differentiate the successful during challenging times? Well, it's, it's, there's, it's, it's really obvious. You know, the law of the animal kingdom is adapt or die. And mm. if you let the outside world control you, you're toast. Because when anything goes wrong, it's in control. When you control from the inside, like we're in control of ourselves, we're in control of our world. So it doesn't matter what happens, you figure out how to get to where you're going. Um, the goals don't change. Sometimes the methods of getting there do. But uh, I have never, I think probably I had great teachers. I had a half a dozen phenomenal mentors. And I think I was raised the right way. You stay in control regardless, you know. Yeah. What would you say are some of the habits that you have that people wouldn't expect that you would have? Maybe they would expect certain things like waking up early or journaling or, you know, getting eight hours of sleep. But what are some habits that you do differently that maybe are unexpected in the personal growth space? I study every day. Every day. Mm. Um, I've studied every day now for 60 years. I started to study this book in 1961, and I read it every day. Same book, Think and Grow Rich. I have uh, just here behind me, I've got the laws of success, the original ones that Napoleon Hill wrote in 1928. And then he came up with this in 1937. And the man that gave it to me, he said, if you'll study this every day, he said, you're going to have a wonderful life. And he pointed out Napoleon Hill spent his whole life studying the lives of 500 of the world's most successful people. He was mentored by Andrew Carnegie, who at the time was the wealthiest man in the world. And he said, since he spent his whole life putting this together, he said it would be a prudent move on your part if you spent the rest of your life trying to understand and apply what he was teaching. <laughs> and, right. you know, that just seemed to make some sense to me, and that's what I started to do, and I've never stopped. If there was only one principle inside of Think and Grow Rich that you could only live by and only talk about, and you wouldn't be able to talk about anything else inside the book, what would that one principle be? Persistence. He said there, he, he said in the book, he said there may be no heroic connotation to the word, but the quality is to the character of the human, like what carbon is to steel. See, I think the trick, Lewis, is get some good habit patterns and live with them all of your life. Because you're either going to grow or you're going to die. It's, uh, it's create or disintegrate. There's no such thing as leveling out and staying where we are. And some people think they can just hold it where they're at, but they can't do that. You're either going to go ahead or you're going to go backwards. It's create or disintegrate. And so if you have good habits, you're going to keep growing. Way back I think around 1938, 39, Albert E.N. Gray worked for the Prudential, and he wrote um, The Common Denominator of Success. It's a great article. And he said the common denominator of success is informing the habit of doing things that failures don't like to do. Mm. 
And he was speaking one time. The young guy said, why do successful people like doing these things? And he said, they don't. That's why they've turned them into habits. <laughs> you know? I thought that was beautiful. He said, that's why they've turned them into habits. They don't like doing them. You see? And of course, a habit what, is, what do you think? Well, a habit is okay, something we sorry. do automatically without any conscious thought. We just, it's part of our paradigm. We're programmed. What do you think are the three most difficult habits to develop uh, that actual, actually will support us for the most growth long-term if we can take these habits on? One of the things I think the most difficult is repetition of studying the same thing. Mm. I have a, uh, a book here on my desk. It's in a book holder. And when I went to visit Earl Nightingale way back Mm, 1968, no, it was earlier than that, it was around 66, and I saw he had this book stand on his desk, and I asked him what it was. He said it was a book holder, and I said, why do you have it? He says, because I want to read those two pages every day for the next month, maybe two months. I said, really? The same thing, and he said, yeah. He said, then they'll become a part of me. Mm. And he said, that's really the, success, the secret of success is the repetition of an idea. You see that in sports, you play ball. I mean, mm -hmm. it's definitely part of your game. You know, uh, how, many, how many plays would you have in your head? Who? Um, well, a lot of different plays, but in football, there's really only like nine different routes a receiver can run yeah. as part of the tree of, ru of running a route. But there's so many different variations within plays that that one receiver could run, and then another person could run in tandem with that. Yeah. So you have to – there's a massive playbook that you go through at the beginning of the season, and you've got to remember a lot of different things. But if you typically know the route you need to run – and what other people are doing around you, then you can you can figure it out. But it's repetition that enables you to do that, isn't it? Over and over and over and well, over you again. See, the same route over and over. That doesn't just apply to football. I think that applies to life. And if a person will really understand that, it's through repetition that you program your subjective mind. And it's your subjective mm -hmm. mind that controls your behavior. Doesn't make sense to some people, but if they would study it and start to understand it, they would start to do it. What's the most important thing on those two pages that you have open in front of you? Most important thing here, read it to you. The lesson to be learned from the practical aviation of the present day is that of triumph of principle over precedent, of working out of an idea to its logical conclusion in spite of the accumulated testimony of all past experiences to the contrary. With such a notable example before us, can we say that it is futile to inquire whether by the same method we may not unlock still more important secrets and gain some knowledge of the unseen causes which are the back of external and visible conditions, and then by bringing these unseen causes into a better order, make practical working reality of possibilities which at present seem but fantastic dreams. They're talking about the Wright brothers. He said there was a secret. They got off the ground because nobody knew how to fly. 
and neither did they until after they got it in the air. But he pointed out that it was principle over precedent. And we let precedent control us too often. What's the difference between principle and precedent? Well, precedent, you're let, letting something that has happened in the past control you. The principle mm. uh, is that there's always a better way. Doesn't matter what you're doing. Better is a beautiful word. What's something in your life that took a long time where you were holding on to the precedent of something for a while? Maybe it was months, maybe it was years, decades, that eventually the principle finally started to fly and you had a breakthrough. Is there an area of your life you can think of? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Just as soon as you said it, yeah. You see, <laughs> when I started in this, when I first got this book, um, I was such a loser. And I mean, in every, every way you look at it. I, um, I went to high school for two months. And I didn't quit. They kicked me out. They didn't want me there. Um, and I was kind of happy because I didn't like it there anyway. Mm -hmm. um, I held dumb jobs. I never had a half-decent job. The idea that I could even get a good job never entered my mind. I had such low self-esteem. I didn't understand that at the time. I didn't even know what self-esteem was. And letting go of the fact that I didn't have a formal education, that I never had any business experience, the man that gave me the book, he said, none of that matters, Bob. That's the past. He said, let it go. Well, I had a difficult time letting that go because we're programmed that if you don't go to school, you can't get a good job. That if you're going to earn a lot of money, you've got to be really smart. Well, you see, I didn't think I was very smart and I didn't have any formal education. That's a hard thing to let go of. Mm -hmm. But through the repetition of studying this, over and over and over. And as he pointed out to me, Edison had grade three. Mm. And he pointed out different people that had no formal education. And I finally made a break, got it, left it behind. I'm not quite sure exactly when, but I let it go. Yeah. What would you say are some deciding factors that can help someone with their self-esteem because you and I are very similar where my childhood, I didn't, I didn't have much confidence in myself or mm -hmm. esteem because I was in the bottom of my class in school because I was, you know, had tutors and special needs classes because I just wasn't able to understand it and comprehend that well and mm -hmm. felt awkward and goofy in my life. What are some, some things you think people that in their teens or even in their forties and fifties who don't have confidence yet, what are the things that we can be doing differently to gain confidence, to build self-esteem? Because I think this is one of the key factors of success is believing in yourself. It doesn't matter if the world believes in you, if you don't believe in you. Yeah. What can we start to do to change that? Well, I think a person has to start to study themselves. Most people know very little about themselves. They think they're their body. You're not a body. You have a body and you have a marvelous mind. And when I first started to study this, I thought, you know, 
studying the mind. That's for psychiatrists, psychologists, behavioral scientists. And the man that told me, he said, no, it's not. He says, that's for anybody. That's for little kids. And so I think as we start to understand something about our mind and something about our higher faculties, see, we're, we're all programmed to live through our senses. We go by what we see, hear, smell, taste, touch. Well, I've got a little dog at home that can see, hear, smell, taste, touch. All the animals in the world, they're, they're completely at home in their environment. They blend in. They operate by instinct, which is perfect. Um, we had instinct removed, and we had higher faculties put in our place, in their place. And if we would study these and gain an understanding, your self-image would automatically start to improve. You have perception, the will, reason, imagination, memory, and intuition. Those six faculties will give you the ability to create your own environment. See, we're totally disoriented in our environment where all the other little creatures are completely at home in theirs. And we're, we're disoriented in ours because we can create our own, but we don't know that. School doesn't teach us that. School is more interested in, in the development of your intellect than in the development of awareness. Mm. Like, um, a person doesn't earn $100,000 a year because they want 100 a year. They earn 100 a year because they're not aware of how to earn 100 a month. Awareness is really the key. And when we become aware of who we are and what we've got working for us, you know, marvelous things start to happen to us. And that's really what happened to me. I never went back to school. Um, I, um, I built a very successful company. It operates all over the world. Um, I didn't do it myself. I have a tremendous team of people. I've got a, just an absolute genius of a business partner, a, a woman who's an attorney. I mentioned to you before, you should have her on sometime. You'd, she, you'd be fascinated with her. She's that interesting. But there's a group of people. We've attracted a phenomenal group of people in our company. Mm -hmm. And we're operating now in 91 countries. Wow. Teaching this information. You know, it's, I don't know another company that teaches what we teach. Like I think um, Tony Robbins has probably done more for our industry than any individual. The Secret has probably done more for it as much as Tony has. Um, the movie. Um, but there's, I don't know anybody else teaching what we're teaching. And what we're really doing is teaching people how their mind functions and um, how to expand their understanding of how it operates. What are the six faculties again? You shared this before, which, yeah. I, which I love, and I think if people really understood this, perception, it help them build their self-image. There's perception, yep. the will, Mm -hmm. Imagination, memory, reason, and intuition. Which one is the hardest for people to? I don't think any of them are awareness. They're they're all equally valuable. Um, mm -hmm. You take your imagination. 
Think of this for a minute, Lewis. Nothing is created or destroyed. Look here. Here's a little cell phone. What you can do with this almost blows your mind when you think of it. Yeah. yeah. Well, when I was a kid, we didn't have a phone. We didn't have a phone because we didn't have any money for the first reason. But the second, um, not everybody could have a phone. We were not aware that there was an infinite number of frequencies. Today, there's, what, a zillion phones because there's an infinite number of frequencies. This phone is on its own frequency. Yours, it's on its own frequency. If I have your number in here and I hit send, you and I connect, we're on the same frequency. won't matter where you are. We can see each other. We can communicate. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host so listen we all know life is full of yada yada like those quote unquote free trials that somehow still charge your card for something or when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print and i know you've dealt with yada yada before like those bills that keep going up and up for no reason at all or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying more than you would have somewhere else and yes it is possible to outsmart yada yada like triple checking airline deals to make sure all you need is already included but you don't take yada yada in life so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider metro by t-mobile has no contracts no credit checks no surprises and nada yada yada stop by one of over six thousand metro stores nationwide When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh yeah, or I can't believe it, or booyah. But what you really want to say is the one thing that can get you the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm is there with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help you choose the coverage you need. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And when you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there too. In person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Because we get on the same frequency. Well, the good that we desire is already here. It's on a frequency. The way to build this has always been here. We weren't aware of it. But somebody took their imagination and went off into no place what they were really doing is going on to a higher frequency. And if you'll stay on that frequency, you'll attract everything that you require. That's why um, Dr. Werner von Braun, when President Kennedy asked him what it would take to build a rocket that would carry a man to the moon and then bring him back safely to Earth, von Braun said the will to do it. The will 
is the mental faculty that gives you the ability to hold one idea on the screen of your mind to the exclusion of all outside distractions. See, if you take your imagination, do it. You have goals, take your imagination, and then take yourself there, see yourself already have completed the goal. Mm -hmm. And then hold that picture with your will. When you go there with your imagination, there is a place. Whatever it is you want, you went there with your imagination, there is a place. You stay there in your imagination. You will attract everything that's required for the manifestation of that picture. You saw Brady doing it last Sunday. Yeah, it's a machine. Yeah. Absolutely phenomenal. So holding the imagination, the picture that you want in your mind, uh -huh. and then attracting it on the steps to get there. Yeah. You see, we don't work toward the goal. We work from the goal. You get the goal mm. in your mind. Our problem is we measure everything on the physical. And yeah. you look at the physical and you say, well, I haven't got it yet. If you think your conscious mind, if you get an image there of your goal, you've already got it intellectually. If you didn't have it, you couldn't share it with me. But if you have it, you can share it with me. You can share with me the idea that you've got in your mind. So you've already got it there, haven't you? Right. As you get emotionally involved with that idea, you've got it also on an emotional level. You've got it there. You've got it intellectually. You've got it emotionally. The only place you haven't got it is physically. Now, right. there's a period of time must elapse for that idea that you have intellectually and emotionally for that idea to move into physical form. We hmm. understand. How under much time? Pardon? How much time does it usually take? We don't know. We don't know. Hmm. That's the only thing we don't know is the gestation period for an idea. We know what the gestation period is for wheat. We know what it is for a carrot. We know what it is for a baby. Moment of conception is about 280 days. We didn't always know these things, but we do now. We don't know what the gestation period is for a spiritual seed, and that's what an idea is. But it grows by exactly the same law. And so if we hold that idea in our mind, it must by law manifest in form. It moves into form. Now that is called the perpetual transmutation of energy. It's one of the laws of the universe. Wow. Uh, there was something that, I, uh, that you shared um, just a moment ago that reminded me of an interview I did with uh, uh, Joe Dispenza recently where he said, we're, we're really good at remembering the past and actually building a story in our mind about something traumatic that was actually way worse in our mind than it actually probably was in person. We're really good at remembering these stories. But what we need to do, he said, is to remember the future. And when he said that, it kind of triggered something different. It's like what you just shared. It's like have an idea of the future of what we want to manifest and hold on to that idea and remember the memories of the future as opposed to holding on to the memories of the past so we can move into that as opposed to be stuck in the past. That's holding. So you see, what that's you what that there. is. Yeah. 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 That's, that's and, and holding it's hard the memory. Why is it so hard? Why is it hard for us to hold on to or maybe not hold on to, but 
keep in our minds and imagine the idea of a greater future for us as, as opposed to constantly being stuck in the past. Why is that hard for so many of us? Because we're programmed to go the other way. You know, what language do you speak? Uh, I barely speak English. <laughs> How about Russian? Privyet, как дела? That's all I know. <laughs> well, the point is, you were raised with the English language. Yes. You don't know another language. I was raised no. with the English language. I don't know another language. I was working with people over in Kuala Lumpur a number of years ago, and they had a little boy four years old. That little boy could speak four languages. They thought wow. nothing of that. There's people who speak many more than four languages because that's the way they're raised. We're the product of our environment from the time we're born. But prior to that, genetically we're programmed. You're, you're genetically programmed at the moment of conception. You get all mom's DNA and all dad's DNA. And God knows how far it goes back on either side. Well, that is programming. That's in our subconscious mind. And that's called a paradigm. That's what it is. It's a program in our subconscious mind. Now, here's the crazy part. You have programs in your phone or in your computer. The people that write the code for these programs are really smart. Mm -hmm. When it comes to writing code, they really know what the hell they're doing. The people that wrote the code for our biocomputer had no idea what the hell they were doing. <laughs> they don't. They did not. Mm -hmm. They were writing the code for my subconscious mind and for yours. That's our paradigm. And that probably controls our life to an enormous degree. It did with me until I was 26. Now, I was fortunate when I met Ray Stanford and he got me into the Think and Grow Rich book and that led me into God knows what else. I have been working at changing that program since I was 26. I'm 86 right now. So I've been at it for a long time and I work at it every day. Most people don't even know that they have the problem. <laughs> so they stay stuck their whole life. Listen, you interview some pretty interesting people. Um, I watched the interview here a, a billionaire a while ago. Um, mm -hmm. um, Which one? I forgot. I forgot who it was. Anyway, <laughs> Ray Dalio, Charles Koch. It, uh, it was a pretty Paul interesting Detroit, interview, yeah. anyway. But yep. the point is, anybody can become a billionaire if that's what you want to do. You say, "Well, wouldn't everybody?" No, everybody wouldn't. I wouldn't want to put all my energy into that. Now, does that mean I don't want money? No, hell, I earn all kinds of money. And I probably want to earn more. But that's not my focus. We are programmed to live a certain way. And uh, rarely do we change that. Now, I change it, and I teach people to change it. But most people don't. Stop and think of how few people um, are really well off. Three, four, per five percent maximum, if that. And ninety-five percent are struggling, and these are some of these are really bright people. Mm -hmm. You've got people that have a um, a doctorate degree in commerce and finance, and they're broke. How the hell could that happen? Well, they never learned how to earn money. They learn how to count it, invest it, and what to do with it. 
They never learned how to earn it. School doesn't teach us how to earn money. It's absurd when you stop and think about it. Right. They teach us all kinds of stuff. That's a lot of it's useless. But they don't teach us about how to earn money. And money is a medium of exchange that's negotiable all over the world. You know. Yeah. What do you think of the programs or the programming that hold us back the most? The, maybe the two or three things that. Well, are, we were talking about earlier the self-image. That's programming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I have a little great-granddaughter, and her mother and father are really fascinating. I'm watching them how they treat this little girl. It is fascinating. Her name is Nora, and if they do anything, they'll say, thank you, Nora. Nora, that is really good. And this kid, I think, is going to grow up with a, just a phenomenal self-image. Now, they have been studying this all their life, and now they've got a little baby, and the two, watch the two of them working with her. It's phenomenal. You know? But I think self-esteem has to be one of the biggest problems. That's not really taught in school. It's not taught in many homes. Um, you take and get into... Um, into any of the sports leagues, they don't teach much about the subconscious mind. The subconscious mind's controlling how well you play the game. Mm. What is the thing that's been on repeat for you every single morning to help program your subconscious mind in your favor? Is there a thing you say? Is there a mantra? Is there a meditation? Is there a practice that helps reprogram in a positive way? I have a gold card. Carry a gold card with me all the time. My goal's on the card. I touch that. When, I, when you have a goal and you write your goal, you, you paint a picture with words. Your goal is a picture in your mind. And you paint the picture with words. When you're writing it, you impregnate it into a group of cells in your brain. When I carry this in my pocket, when I touch it, a sensory factor touches affected. It's a light message that goes flying through my body and it resonates with those cells in my brain, and the picture comes on the screen in my mind. This is a ritual. I've been doing this since 1961. Wow. What's what's on your gold card before I get to the next thing? I want to do $100 million in business. Wow. We don't do that now. I'm doing it in here. Mm -hmm. But physically, I haven't got there. Um, this is Sandy's goal, and it's my goal, and we both got the card signed. It's written in present tense. Um, all your goals should be in present tense. The only thing you put a date on is you're guessing at the date. Mm. You don't know what the date is. So what's, what's the, second, the next thing you do to help reprogram I, your subconscious I a, mind? I read 10 favorite. things I'm grateful for every morning. Mm. Yeah. You, you read it. I write it, read it, write it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What does gratitude do for someone when they feel stuck, when they feel overwhelmed, stressed, their goals aren't happening fast enough? Well, gratitude is an, interest, an interesting question, the way you answer the question. In um, The Science of Getting Rich, in Chapter 7, Wallace D. Waddles wrote the chapter on, on gratitude, and then he said, the entire process of mental adjustment and atonement 
can be summed up in one word, gratitude. The entire process of mental adjustment, if you're troubled, some could, and it could go wrong, uh, but you're troubled. You've got a big problem. You're just not quite sure how to solve it, and it's bothering you. It might be something personal, or it could be business. Whenever you feel yourself troubled, that's a mental problem. The entire process of mental adjustment, you need a mental adjustment. Sit down, write out what you're grateful for. You'd be amazed what it does to you. The entire process of mental adjustment and atonement can be summed up in one word, gratitude. Gratitude hooks you up to your source of supply. It opens a channel for good to come into your life. You cannot feel bad when you're thinking of what you're grateful for. It's funny, problems just sort of melt. Go away. <laughs> it's, it's like Absolutely. some kind of mental magic. Mm -hmm. It's better than magic. I, well, there's a creative writer. I got a mental block on the guy's name, and I should remember it because it's such a great thing. He said, um, I've worked around magicians. If I work conventions periodically, they'll have, if there's a, a magician working at the convention too, they'll get me to work some kind of a trick with them. So he's got to tell a trick to somebody. So I'm the guy. And I, <laughs> I've learned all kinds of how these magnificent tricks work. And he said, when you learn how magic works, it's not magic anymore. But he said, when you learn how your mind works, it's real magic. Ooh. Yeah, that's what I said. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. So what's, the, what's another thing that you do to help reprogram your subconscious mind? Um, I, I consciously think of how I can help people. If I'm, mm -hmm. if I'm in between particular tasks that I'm working on, I'll think of somebody I can do something for. I'm always thinking on how to help somebody else, you know? Um, Emerson said that the law of cause and effect is the law of laws. Uh, whatever you put out comes back. Well, if you go around mm. doing enough good, you don't have to worry about what's going to happen to you. It's going to be good. And that's really pretty well how I spend my life. And I, know, and I know no one's perfect, uh, me included. And I know even though you've studied this for so long, I'm sure you still have uh, you know, missteps or challenges or your mind goes back into a place of you know, a, a, a negative way of thinking. What is the biggest challenge you face with today, even though you've studied this, even though you put these things into practice, even though you're successful? What is that big challenge that you face, Bob? Um. I get caught up in the minutia and the, the noise that's going on around us, you know, the negative um, news that we hear. I'll get caught up in it every now and then. And I know it's stupid and I shouldn't. And so when I realize what I'm doing, I'll get away from it. But I do it. Um, I've often mentioned if we just work at getting rid of our bad habits, some of our bad habits we don't want to get rid of. We enjoy them. You know? <laughs> Um, but that's really the secret is replace a bad habit with something that's essentially the opposite. And you take a double jump ahead. Because you're not going to get rid of the bad one. You've added a good one. So, you, you know. Right, right. I, uh, 
I had the chance to interview uh, Rhonda Byrne on the show sure. uh, a few months ago, and and I was doing some research beforehand, and I hadn't seen an interview of her in over a decade online. And either I was bad at researching, or I just she hasn't put herself out there. So I was really excited to have her on, and some of the stuff she was sharing was was amazing. We were talking about you offline and how much she appreciates your message and your work and your contribution to the secret. Uh, I'm curious if you could sum up the law of attraction in, in one phrase, what is that idea of the law of attraction for people if they're still not sure on it? Well, oddly enough, the secret, I think, led some people down the wrong path with the law of attraction in that we didn't take the time or never got into it in depth. The law of attraction is a secondary law. And most people talk about it as a, the law of attraction. It's a law. Well, it is, but it's a secondary law. Um, and a lot of people were left with the idea, you just think about it, you'll attract it. Well, that is a bunch of nonsense. That's not true at all. Um, you do attract what you think about, but your thought patterns control the vibration you're in. Vibration is a basic law of the universe. The law of vibration decrees everything moves, nothing rests. Um, the walls around you are moving. If you go and look at them through a microscope, you'll see them moving. The body in a coffin is moving. It's, um, if it wasn't moving, how would it ever change to dust? The law of vibration decrees that everything moves. We literally live in a notion of motion. Well, your mind and body is in a vibration, and that's controlled by your thoughts. You activate cells in your brain. Your mind activates cells. That sets up a vibration in the mind and body. And the vibration you set up is going to dictate what you attract. If you're troubled and you're in a bad mood, you're going to attract bad stuff to you. You're on a negative frequency. So as long as you stay in that bad vibration, you're going to attract some more bad stuff. It's just going to keep coming. And you see it happening all the time to people. Um, it's in the Bible. It's the probably great- like when it's probably like when you're you know you're not feeling good and you just want more ice cream or pizza. You want bad things. To make you feel good as opposed to, let me have a healthy salad when I'm down. You know, it's not what we're thinking. (laughs) Well, you see, the trick is really to keep yourself feeling good. Feeling is conscious awareness of vibration. The vibration is the basic law. And if you stay feeling good in a good vibration, you're going to attract good stuff. You just magnetize yourself to stuff that's good. There's... um, very few people really understand the law of vibration. Everybody is utilizing it every day, all day. You are attracting what you're in harmony with. You always have. How do we put ourselves? Pardon? Yeah. And how do we put ourselves in a state of feeling good when there's nothing to feel good about? Well, there's always some something people, to feel good maybe. about. Listen, they're, you know, they're stressed about the world. They're stressed about their job. They're stressed about their health, their family, relationship breakups. How do they change the feeling to feel good when they're in an environment of stress? Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. 
Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. If your child is struggling in school, then IXL is right for your family. IXL is an online learning program for kids that covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. Backed by research, kids using IXL are scoring higher on tests. It's no wonder it's used in 95% of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Plus, a month of IXL costs less than an hour of tutoring. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com 20. Visit IXL.com 20 to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. There's a law called polarity. The law of polarity decrees everything as an opposite. You couldn't have an up without a down, a hot without a cold. You can't have a bad without a good. If you're looking at bad, that tells you there's got to be good. You cannot have bad without good. And if you want to feel good, start looking for what's good. And if you start looking for what's good, you're going to find it. You're going to find whatever you're looking for. And the idea to say, well, you really can't, there's so much bad going on, that attitude is not going to reward you at all. It's going to give you bad stuff. You've got to know that there's always something good. You've got to find it. Why is it so hard for people to see the good when there's so much chaos around them? Because they're so programmed the wrong way. They're really programmed the wrong way. We're, um, we're programmed for bad news. You don't find a good news news station. You don't have good news. People wouldn't advertise. They wouldn't go there. People are attracted to bad news because they're, they're in a bad vibration themselves. And when they start to understand that and then realize they can control it and change it, that's when they'll start winning. See, that's where I was. I was in a bad vibration. Everything was bad. There was nothing good. I mean, I just had one hell of a life up till I was 26. There was nothing good about it at all. And when I was 26, I met a guy that got me on this book, and he started to give me some effective education. And my whole life changed. My income went from 4000 a year to 175000 a year in a year washing floors. The first thing he wanted to know, he wanted me to write my goal on a card. He said, what do you really want? I said, all I want is some money. I figured if I had some money, all my problems would go away. I owed everybody and his brother money. And they're always phoning me. Where's the money? Where's the money? And I said, God, if I knew where the money was, you wouldn't have to phone me. And I'd get upset with them for phoning me. And... Um, so I said, I want $25,000. If we had taken, Lewis, if we had taken all the money in the neighborhood where I lived, you wouldn't have found $25,000. I mean, this was, it was a, an absurd goal. And uh, what he, he said, write it on the card and read it often. And what happened, it's only in retrospect that I became aware of what happened. Because I kept reading it, he said, like he said to me, your way is not working. Try mine. Mine way is working. He was happy, healthy, wealthy, this guy. So I kept reading this. And what happened is it got me thinking of earning money. Now, prior to that, I wasn't. I was thinking of debt. All I was thinking about is debt. I owe this money, I owe that money. They're all phoning me. Mm. And 
since I was thinking about it, I started to hear people talking about it. And I remember this guy saying, there's good money cleaning floors. I said, I'm not proud, I'll clean floors. In five years, I was cleaning floors in Toronto, Montreal, Boston, Cleveland, Orlando, London, England. I mean, I was having a hell of a time. You know? Got to change the program. Yeah, one of the things that I stopped doing many years ago uh, when I had no money is I stopped. I, I got rid of my TV for a few years um, because I found myself being, you know, caught in just consuming a lot of news or just shows that weren't really supporting me because I was sitting there as opposed to creating in action, yeah. doing something to to help me earn more, to generate what I was looking for and to work on my health and wellness, my relationships, everything, not just money. And after a few years, I didn't miss the TV and I started making more money than ever. <clears throat> and I was in great shape and all these different things happen. And today I have TV now. I mean, I watch Netflix, I watch sports mostly, but I don't watch the news it's very rare if I watch the news. And I get criticized for this sometimes from people because they're like, they're like, well, you should be aware of what's happening in the world. You should be educated. You should be, you know, mindful, all these things. And I, I, was, I live in a, in a building here in Los Angeles, and they have a big TV in kind of the uh, – in, in a general room where people can walk in. And I went in there the other day, and I sat down and sipped some coffee and literally in this massive TV screen, they had four different news channels up at once, kind of <laughs> splitting the screen in four parts. And for 20 minutes, all they were showing on the news screens, all four channels, was just this bombing, and this is happening here in India, and this is happening in the U.S., and, and the rioting, and it, all of it just was chaos. And I was just like, man, if I sat here and watched this every single day, my mind would be chaotic because I'm consuming chaos. Yeah. And like you talk about, it's changing the frequency. It's turning the channel off and getting into a different frequency is what we need to do and not okay. consume that. We can still be aware of it. You know, I don't want to live in a world where I don't know what's happening, but I don't need to watch it all day to still be aware of it. Isn't that right? You know, I think anything that, that's, I don't know, very important that you know, you'll, you'll overhear it in conversation. You don't have to watch Absolutely. the news to get it. You're going to get it. Somebody's going to tell you. So, I agree, you know, it's a waste of time sitting there and soaking all that up because it, it does you no good and it does you a lot of harm. It does a lot of harm. When the I was saying before, it, you, it makes yeah. you feel bad. If you feel bad, mm -hmm. feeling is a word we invented to describe our conscious awareness of the vibration we're in. When you are feeling bad, you're in a negative vibration. When you're feeling good, you're in a positive vibration. That's just a basic thing that we could go by. So how do you feel good? Well, there's all kinds of ways to feel good. Think of something really pleasant. You'll start feeling good. Do something kind for somebody. You'll start to feel better. Help somebody out somewhere. You'll start to feel good. Share a good idea. You'll start to feel good. When you're feeling good, you're in a good vibration. You're going to attract good stuff to you. Most people don't understand that feeling is conscious awareness of vibration, and the vibration you're in is dictating what you're going to attract. Ooh. It's a basic so thing. True. It's so basic, but it's not understood. It's hard for people to change the way they feel because oh. they get, I feel like they get trapped in it. They're like, yeah. no, this is what I'm feeling. It takes them days to get out of it until they go to sleep, wake up. 
and maybe that resets the programming because they got some sleep. I don't know, but I feel like, and I've been there many times in my past where I would hold on to things for weeks, months, and, and hold on to the negative feelings. So I get it. I've been there, but it's so much better when you can shift it faster or just be aware of it. And I'm not saying don't feel um, grief and sadness and anger and frustration. These are all feelings we, we probably should have a balance of feeling, but don't hold on to them. I feel like yeah. that's what hurts us in the long run when we hold it on, on to those feelings. Yeah. Because I'm sure you still feel angry and upset and let down and sad at times, right? Do you know, I don't get angry. That's good. I can't remember the last time I got angry. I may be not very pleased with people sometimes, but I, I don't get angry. <laughs> no, I really... You might be disappointed. I used, to, I used to get angry. I used to have a hell of a temper. I had red hair, too. <laughs> I think red hair <laughs> have bad tempers. They, that's what they say. Well, it was true with me. Um, I can't remember the last time I was angry. I just what do you decided think? it was a, a really silly waste of energy. You know? mm. What do you think shifted for you in, in deciding that? Oh, there's no question about what shifted. It's the studying. You know, you study, if you study the right material, you're raising your level of awareness. And people that are angry all the time are on a pretty low vibration. They're, they're not really very with it, you know. So how long were you angry for in your life? How many how many years did it take to oh, well, until God, you finally was... said? 40, 50, 60, how uh, old were you? I was probably I'd probably be 60. 60. Late, and late. how how young are you now, Bob? I'm 86. Yeah. You look great, man. I hope I look as healthy <laughs> and young as you at 86. Well, I'm still going strong. I have no intentions of slowing down. It's amazing. So it's when 60, I say I haven't been like angry for a long time, probably you know it was probably up around sixty when I, I think I eliminated it, you know, as I was going along, and I realized, I think I got to the point where I realized just how silly it is to get angry, and you start to see other people getting angry. You think, why are you doing that? You know, they feel justified. Where do you? Point, you know? Yeah. Where do you think you'd be if you? Let go of anger at 40. Where do you think you'd be in your life now? Further ahead than I am. Really? I don't really know where, but oh, yes. There's a tremendous amount of energy that's wasted in anger. It's a dumb waste of why, energy. Why do you think we get angry? We don't learn to control what is in the, What is in our mind? You know, mm. if a person would take... Do you have a little book, As a Man Thinketh? I've had it before, but I, I, I think you actually sent me one, but I, I might have given well, I'm gonna one send a you copy away. I'm going to send you another. Yeah, yeah, I might have it, but yeah. Yeah. Um, if you take the last chapter in As a Man Thinketh, it's on serenity. And you start reading that, and you read it every day. If you wrote it out every day, I often have people write it every day for 90 days. It changes your life. Um, it starts off, calmness of mind is one of the beautiful jewels of wisdom. It's the result of long and uh, patient effort in self-control. You see, anger is when we're not in control of ourselves. We're letting something outside take over. 
you're letting another person or a situation, maybe a flat tire, control your being. You know, the tire's flat, so the tire's flat, so what the hell? Get, get it fixed, you know? Um, but we let, we let stuff control us. And we've got to stay in control. I want to ask you about uh, money and relationships. Yeah, you you've been around the block a long time. Um, you've seen a lot. You've met a lot of people. You've you've had many different relationships in your life. Uh, mm-hmm. How important is it to have alignment around money mindset when you're in an intimate relationship with your your intimate partner or a business partner? What conversations should we be having around money to make sure that the partner we're in business or life with is going to support us as opposed to be a, you know, kind of thorn in the side uh, of energy, if you will? Well, I think money plays a very, very big role in our life. We should control the money. We should never let money control us. I love earning it. I love giving it away, too. Um, If you're in a relationship, um, understanding money in the relationship plays a very big role. You can't have one person with a, let's say, a poverty consciousness and another one with a prosperity consciousness and and expect to have harmony in that relationship. It's just not going to be there. Because there's too many things where money comes into involved in uh, decision making and conversations, and if you're not on the same page, there's trouble in River City, you know, in the music man, you, um, and that's just the way it is. So I think it's very important. But the truth is, not many people understand money. Very few. You know, I was mentioning my business partner, Sandy Gallagher. She was a securities attorney when I first met her. She came to a seminar, and um, she ended up being my business partner. She owns 50% of the company, and she's the CEO of the company. She runs it. But she's a damn genius when it comes to money. On, um, I have a pad here where I write things I'm grateful for, the very top thing, Sandy's financial genius. I, that's number one in uh, my gratitude list every day. Uh, I've earned millions and millions of dollars, but it wasn't until she until, until she became a business partner about 15 years ago, I guess, um, that everything in my life changed with money because she knew how to manage it. And if you don't know how to manage it, you're not going to do very well. Yeah. I, how do we first uh, manage it in our minds and not let ourselves become afraid of it or hoard it or well, that's where it's got to start. scarcity? It's got to start. Everything yeah. starts do- in the mind. U.S. Anderson said, thought is the preamble to everything. He said, when we fully realize that thought causes all we'll know there's never any limits that we ourselves don't impose. Everything starts in thought. So if you want order with money, it starts here. Relationship starts here. 
your business starts, it all starts in your mind. And the problem is, Lewis, hardly anybody understands the mind. And it's something that can be understood. I, oddly enough, I teach it to psychiatrists. And I'm very good at it. That's my strength. I really understand the mind. Mind is movement. Mind's not a thing. Your brain isn't your mind any more than your toenail is. Your brain is an electronic switching stations. Um, mind is movement. Body is a manifestation of that movement. So if you just stand and just observe a person, you'll get a hell of a good idea of what's going on in their mind. I can stand and walk by a person, just I'll feel their energy. Because you send off energy. I'll feel, I can tell what state they're in. In seminars, I'll read a person's energy, I'll scare them. <laughs> because you have an intuitive factor, you can pick that energy up and read it. You know? But everything starts in the mind. So whatever benefit or any, any good that you want, um, that's where it starts. You've got to start to understand it. Study it. And I think the best thing to do there is to go to somebody that really understands it. Ask for help. And learn. Go to the best. Mm -hmm. I was doing a seminar for Prudential in, uh, let's see, 1974, 75. I, uh, I did seminars for the entire company. And we raised our sales by hundreds of millions of dollars, teaching them just a couple of basics about the mind. But I was doing a seminar in Chicago at the Hillside Holiday Inn. I had 450 different district agents in the room. The number one agent, his name was Ronnie Sempertrain. He was the number one of all of their agents in the world. And when I found out he was in the room, I got him stand up and I asked him a few questions. I said, Ron, how many people in the past year have asked you if they could take you to breakfast or lunch and had a list of half a dozen well-prepared questions to ask you? Not one. This is the best in the company. He won the president's trophy. He was the number one agent. That would be like having the conventions of quarterbacks and nobody asked Brady anything. What the hell's going on? <laughs> Where's their mind, you know? But that's not unusual. I wasn't even surprised. The truth is, most people don't think. Remember, uh, Earl Nightingale, marvelous man. I loved working with him. Uh, he one time said, if the average person said what they were thinking, they would be speechless. And I'm inclined to agree with them. If you listen to most people, what they're saying, it's fairly obvious they're not thinking or they'd never say what they're saying. Or stand back and watch what they're doing. They'd never do what they're doing if they're thinking. Just move into action. Don't think, you know. Who was, who was the greatest mentor for you? Was it Earl? Was it? Oh, that's pretty difficult. I've had, well, the first guy, Ray Stanford, he wasn't the wisest, but he's the one who got me started. He's the one who changed my mm -hmm. direction. Um, and it was Val Vanderwall, 
he was the first one that really taught me about the mind. And then I got studying with his mentor, Dr. Harry Roeder. Um, and then I got Earl Nightingale and Lloyd Conant, his partner. Then I got Bill Gove, who's a great public speaker. Bill really taught me how to speak. I don't speak anything like Bill Gove. People pay me a lot of money to speak, and I speak nothing like him, but he was my teacher. What he did, he taught me to be totally relaxed in front of 1,000, 20,000, doesn't matter. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. If your child is struggling in school, then IXL is right for your family. IXL is an online learning program for kids that covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. Backed by research, kids using IXL are scoring higher on tests. It's no wonder it's used in 95% of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Plus, a month of IXL costs less than an hour of tutoring. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com 20. Visit IXL.com 20 to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. And that's really the key, you know. Yeah. So, do you ever think it's, do you ever think it's too late for someone to reprogram their their mind around no, money? Never. If they're in their forties and fifties no. and they've never made money, not at do you think all. Think it's possible to make money? Oh hell no, no. Listen, if a person can fog a mirror, if they can breathe, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's not too late. Because when you think of the good you can do with it. I do a lot of good with money. Uh, our company, Sandy and I, do a lot of good with money. We build schools in Africa. Mm -hmm. um, well, there's so, much, so many things I could tell you that are, I've been able to do with some money. So, no, it's never too late. It's never. And anyone can learn how to earn money. The secret to wealth is have multiple sources of income. You don't have one. You have all kinds of them. I mean, you can earn more money when you're sleeping than you could spend when you're awake. We don't, we don't really know very much about money at all. Yeah. Well, and for you, what's the, what's the lesson you need to be reminded of that you continue to struggle with or continue to have mistakes around the most that you have to often relearn for yourself. Oh, wow. You know, you don't, you don't get angry anymore, but if that was one that you continue to have to relearn on how to have peace when you're angry, what's, what's something that you still struggle with? I probably don't take uh, good enough care of my health. Mm. Now, at 86, I look back when I was 26, I should have started then, you know. And I could probably take much better care of my health. Because I have no intentions of slowing down. So, but you have a you have a full time nutritionist and trainer. No. Oh, we gotta we gotta get you on on that ASAP, Bob. We get we need you around for another fifty years. You know. Well, I've got the Blasio book for my hundredth on uh, July of two thousand and thirty four. I've 
going to do a seminar at the Bellagio. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. You've got it booked already. Yeah. yeah. You already got the deposit down. You got the date. Yeah. You got everything. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's cool. I like that. Yeah. So, so you got um, it, now you got it. So you got it in your mind and you got it physically. You got the date booked. Yeah. But now you got to do the action steps in between. Yeah. To make sure you can manifest it, right? Yeah. Yeah, I could uh, I could treat myself better physically. I just going at such a rapid clip all the time, you know. What what's it gonna take for you to commit to either uh Well I'm just about at some, that point now. I'm, I'm really I'm really at that point right now. I'm in lockdown here, so it's you know, they're getting right, through to right. me. And um the house is being rebuilt. It'll be done in about a month, and we're talking about uh, really building a gym there. So I'm on the right mm -hmm. track. Yeah. Here's my challenge to you, Bob. You can you can decline or accept. My challenge is to hire someone full time to be your dedicated health and wellness coach that works with nutrition. Maybe it's two people, but someone that works with nutrition on you, and someone that is there in person at least three days a week, helping you with movement, physical rehab, prehab, training, whatever it might be, to keep your body moving as well. What's the date today? Today is the, it's like February 10th, the day of recording. Jeez, I know today's, so birthday, my, today's my brother's birthday, for God's sake, I shouldn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so what day can you what okay, day can you I'll commit tell you by? What, before by the end 1st? of the month, before the end of the month, okay. I'll have you who those people are and what I'm doing with them. Perfect. Yeah, and it's got to be they've got to be full time, like full -time. invested. No, no, I'll you've, do got, that. you've got the money to invest in it. You've got to you got to have, and they can be virtual on Zoom right now. I don't care if they can't come in person. You can do it over Zoom, and they can coach you that way. So I'll get it done. I will have a nutritionist and somebody to work with me physically. I have a guy here who's Mr. Canada, um, and he's always phoning me. He's going to be shocked. There you go. I'm going to give him a call. <laughs> we we got to make sure that you, uh, if that's the biggest challenge for you, then I you will gotta, have I will have that to you by the end of this month. I'll Perfect. have it done. You'll you'll text me and and let me know. I will. Yep. Okay. Text me with the coach in the first session. I will. You'll that. know who they are and what they're going to do. Great. Great. I love that. Where do you want to continue to learn? What's the thing that you want to continue to learn personally that you haven't mastered yet? Well, I want to learn more about the mind. Hold on a minute. Mm -hmm. There's. I'm gonna, here's something that... I want you to just listen to this. This is this is one of the best pieces of literature I have ever read. I'm going to read it through. It's only about 20 lines. And then we'll talk about it for a few minutes. Great. My mind is a center of divine operation. The divine operation is always for expansion and fuller expression. And this means the production of something beyond what has gone before, something entirely new, not included in past experience, though proceeding out of past experience, by an orderly sequence of growth. Therefore, since the divine cannot change its inherent nature, it must operate in the same manner in me. 
Consequently, in my own special world, in which I am the center, it will move forward to produce new conditions always in advance of any that has gone before. I'm going to, um, I'm just going to photograph, I'll take a picture of this page and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll send it to you. That, Please. The start of this is the key. My mind is a center of divine operation. Now, if I held a basketball here, there's only one point in that basketball that's center, isn't there? And that's determined by the outer measurements of the ball. Agreed? Mm -hmm. There's only one center in this studio. I don't know where it is. I don't even know how to find it. But I know somebody would know how to find it. In all things, there is only one center. This literature says my mind is a center, which would indicate there's more than one center. Mm. So if you study this long enough, and I finally figured out why, this, the man that wrote this is one of the most brilliant writers I think I've ever studied, Thomas Troward. My mind is a center. When you're, deal when you're dealing with divine operation, you're talking about infinite. There is no outer ring, so any point center. Hmm. Your mind, Lewis, is a center of divine operation. And the divine operation is always for expansion and fuller expression. This means the production of something beyond what's gone before. So there's something coming. It's going to be better than everything in the past. I'm going to send this to you. I want you to read it every day for 90 days. Okay, yeah. Send it to me. I'll this print will it out. stretch your mind. When you say, what do you study? I want, to, I want to expand my awareness. I want a greater awareness of my relationship with the whole scheme of things. Isn't it crazy that we are standing on a moving ball in the middle of infinite space yes yeah when we when we think about that sometimes that it's we're on a little ball a little dot on a little ball that's rotating yeah in the middle of infinite space yeah. <laughs> moving at a ridiculous speed do you know the more you study this the more you realize what a magnificent creation you are. When you stop and just take a look at your hand, there's enough potential energy in that little finger to light up this building for probably a month. Mm. There's about 11 million kilowatt hours per pound potential energy locked up in the electrons in the atoms of the body. We are a a living dynamo. The blood circulates through your body hundreds of miles of passageway every 33 seconds carrying all the food and all the garbage out boom, like that in one sweeping change. For you to move any part of your body, you must activate brain cells. The brain is an electronic switching station. The more we study and look at this, the more mind-boggling it is. You know, we're taught we're God's highest form of creation. Um, that's taught in all religions. There's only a half a dozen religions there in California. You've got, I think, 500, but everybody starts their own there. <laughs> and the truth is, you can start your own religion there, and many do. Mm -hmm. But there's a half a dozen major religions. They all teach essentially the same thing. We are truly God's highest form of creation. 
and we act sometimes not much better than some of the animals that we keep as pets. You know? You, I think, shows like yours do such an enormous amount of good. Mm, thank you. Well, what you really do, you provoke people to think about a lot of different things. And if people will begin to think, thinking is the highest function we're capable of, and thinking can be taught. Unfortunately, it's not being taught, but it can. You know, it's the highest function we're capable of. You know. So it's, um, it's worthwhile learning. Absolutely. I think a lot of us are, we're not taught to think. We are conditioned to react well, to no what's happening around us. And we, and we react. We don't think before we react. We just react. And so that's what causes us a lot of stress and overwhelm. You know, Victor uh, Frankl um, wrote a marvelous book, Man's Search for Meaning. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Yep. He, uh, well, he, he was a marvelous author. And he said, in every situation, between the situation and your response, there's a space. It might only be a, a millisecond. But in that space, you have the ability to choose how you're going to react or respond. When you react, whatever you're reacting to is in control of you, whether it's another person, a condition, or a circumstance. When you respond to the same thing, you stay in control. Ooh. So when you react, they're in control. The environment is. When you respond, you're in control. Yeah. Um, Sandy Gallagher, my partner, she, was, she has a niece. Her niece was at her house one day, and I happened to phone, and she says, would you talk to Anna for me? And um, she was having a problem with her mother. And I was thinking, well, probably you're right, but I would imagine your mother thinks she's having a problem with you, you know? And um, what they were doing, she was reacting. And I got, I got explaining it to her. I said, listen, doesn't matter what happens. Doesn't matter what happens. You have a choice. You're either going to react or respond. When you react, you have lost control of you, and you've given control to the other person or the conditions or the circumstance. When you respond, exactly the same situation, nothing's changed, only you respond. You could say, I wonder why she's saying it like that. I wonder why she wants me to do that now. I wonder why she's upset with me. Well, her mother apparently, if I get this story right, apparently got a hold of Sandy and wanted to know what the hell was going on with that when she went home. She was so different. That's, what, that's a huge lesson to learn. Mm -hmm. I wanted to go back to... Uh, a question around conversations with partners in your life and money. Cause I think we, yeah. you know, you started sharing some other powerful idea and, and then I kept following up on different stuff. What types of conversations should we have with new intimate relationships we get into new business partnerships we get into around money in order to make sure that we are aligned on 
money conversations and money in general and make sure they're a good fit for our life long term, whether in business or intimacy? I think you, um, first of all, I think you observe the other person's behavior with respect to money. Um, some people are very, very frugal. They just don't want to part with any of it. It was like if they hold on to it, it's going to grow or something. And uh, you would have a pretty, pretty serious job on your hands to try to get them to change that because that is very deeply ingrained and it's usually inherited. It's usually genetic. Um, I think you have to stop and talk about how it's earned and then talk about giving. We've got to learn to willingly give and graciously receive. Um, that's very important we get that down right. And find out what the other person's attitude is in giving money. I think tithing is a, um, probably one of the best ideas that have ever come down the road. Now, some people say, well, tithing, they think of giving money to their church. And then they wonder what the church is going to do. I said, it doesn't matter what the church, if they burned it, it wouldn't matter. It's that you're giving on a regular basis, a percentage of all you earn. I says, the farmer does that with his crop. You know, farmer will take a percentage of the crop and put it back in the earth. And um, I think we should take a percentage of what we earn and do good work with it, you know. Find out what their philosophy is about money. Frequently, if I start to work with somebody, one of the first things I ask them is what the most they've ever earned in a year. I don't really care what the answer is, but I want to know what the answer is because that'll tell me where their paradigm is with respect to money. Mm. And what if people don't like talking about money? Well, that <laughs> that's a signal in itself. They have... Uh, they got a bad relationship with it. They don't want to talk about it. How could someone have a better relationship with money uh, if they're afraid of it? How do we start to reprogram well, that? Money has no power. Money has absolutely no power other than what we give it. First of all, money is a, is a piece of paper with ink on it. We give it the value. Um, I have um, a book here by um, Robert Russell. Something uh, about prosperity. Most of the books I have on money don't really talk much about money. Mm. Uh, Think and Grow Rich doesn't talk much about money. Yeah. It's a philosophy. It's about you. It's what makes you tick. Almost all the books, I've got a number of them here, um, on money, they don't talk much about money. They talk about, it's the attitude, it's the, uh, it's the programming, it's how you use the money. If a person's income is not continually growing, then it's dying. 
our income should be continually growing. And I think you should always want to earn more. The Not to have it, but to be able to use it, but it's going to cause you to reach. To earn more, you have to provide more. Money is a reward received for service rendered, so you've got to provide more service. So whatever you're doing, you've got to do it better than you're now doing it. Right. I've always thought that the, the amount of money you make is directly related to the amount of value you bring into the world and your ability to package and position that value in order to receive it. Oh, no question about because it. There's a, lot of pe- there's a lot of people that add a lot of value in the world, but they don't know how to package it so that they can you know, earn to, to, to receive the money and have someone give it to them. Um, and so it's learning kind of those skills, yeah. Well, the earning of money is, is an exact science, and it's, it's governed by law. The amount of money you earn is in direct ratio to the need for what you do, your ability to do it, and the difficulty there is in replacing you. Mm. It's the need for what you do, your ability to do it, and the, need, uh, the difficulty there is in replacing you. Now, our, in this business I'm in, you can earn an awful lot of money because there's a, a tremendous need for a person that does what I do. I've traveled all over the world from Shanghai to Buenos Aires to all over Europe, Asia, everywhere. Everywhere they need what I've got. There's a tremendous need. I can earn more money than a neurosurgeon. Now, Everybody has a brain, but not everybody needs it operated on. You know? so it, it's the, they need it operated in a different way, yeah, the way you do it's it. It's the need for what you do, then your ability to do it. So if a person, if there's a great need for what a person's doing, then they've got to get really good at it. So you never stop getting better at it. Mm-hmm. You're good at what you do. And I don't mean to flatter you. You are just good at it. I've watched you do it. Thank you. And you do it. Like I was mentioning, you're sort of the, um, well, you, you're, you're much the same as, uh, um, you're on a blank on his name. Tell about Larry King. Larry, Larry King. King, yeah. Because Larry was a master. Larry never talked about, and Larry, he never, it was all about you. You never heard him say I. It was always about, you know, interviewing the person. So there was a great need for what he did. He was entertaining a lot of people. His ability to do it, he was very good at it. So he was very difficult to replace. Now, when you're difficult to replace, your stock goes up. Yeah. We've. Learn. We've got to learn how to earn money. And most people don't know how to earn money. Most people think you go to work to earn money. Do you know, I was in a seminar in Phoenix, well, was probably a couple of years ago now, and this guy came over and talked to me. I knew him, not well, but I knew him. And he was a doctor. And he told me he was thinking of quitting. I said, why are you going to quit? Well, he said, the medical profession's all messed up now. He says, you got to put in more time to earn less money. I said, well, that's true. 
But I said, why'd you become a doctor? Well, he said, I love it. Well, I said, what the hell? The fact that you're earning any money is a plus. You don't go to work for money. You go to work for satisfaction. There's two rewards in life. One is material and the other is psychic. We shouldn't work for money. We should work for satisfaction. You provide service to earn money. Take some recording stars. My God, they earn millions on a recording. But look at the millions of people that are being entertained. Mm -hmm. Construction workers, air flight attendants, restaurants. There's the music playing, entertaining all the people that can hear that music. So they're entertaining all the people. And that's where it's coming, you see. You do what you, you work at what you love to do. And you'll get tremendous satisfaction. Like, I love what I'm doing. I would do it for nothing if I had to, but I, I just right. love it. I really love it. And so the fact that I love it, uh, why would I want to do anything else? And that's what I said to him. You get satisfaction from what you're doing, what you love to do. So every day when I get up to go to work, I'm doing what I love doing. You provide service to earn money. I have all kinds of stuff that we have, stuff that we sell, uh, programs that we're selling. Somebody buying them now, I don't know who they are or where they are, but I'm earning money right now while we're talking. And when I go to bed tonight, I'll be earning money and I'll earn it all night. And I like that idea, you know? Um, because we're providing service. So I think we have to get the money straight in our mind, and I don't think most people have it straight. If you, uh, and if, and if, if people don't, you, ahead, you were sir. mentioning if a person didn't like to talk about it, they have a problem with it. So start talking about it more? Absolutely. Yeah. If there's somebody that, that you're around, uh, a partner, an associate or something, and they really don't want to talk about money, you, um, I think there's a problem there. Yeah. If someone came to you and has struggled with money their entire life, whether they're in their early 20s or they're in their 40s or 50s, and they asked you, Bob, what do I need to do to make my first million dollars, what would you say are the most important things they should think and act on next? Well, first of all, they got to believe that they can earn the million dollars. They got to develop a belief system. Our belief system is based upon our evaluation of something, and frequently, if we reevaluate the situation, our belief about it will change. We've got to understand that money's easy to earn. I work with their sales staff all the time, um, helping them learn how to earn more money. I work with uh, members of our staff, different members of our staff, um, helping them develop the desire to earn more money, and then I show them how they can do it. And uh, How do we believe if we've never seen evidence before or gotten results before mm -hmm. of earning it? Yeah, it's through the repetition of it through the repetition of, of, of writing it and believing it. I had, a, I had an affirmation that I used for years, still use it. I'm so happy and grateful now that money comes to me in increasing quantities through multiple sources on a continuous basis. 
I am so happy and grateful now that money comes to me in, uh, in increasing quantities through multiple sources on a continuous basis. And I just keep repeating that like a mantra. And you write out, you know, I'm so happy and grateful now that I have in my possession a million dollars. And that's where you started out intellectually. Then you get emotionally involved. And if you keep doing that, ultimately you're going to attract the money. And you've got to ask, how can money be earned? Money can be earned in all kinds of different ways. We have a, um, a company, MSI Connect. Um, it's a pet of mine, not my partner's. I don't think she's too loved with it. But I think it's a neat company. MSI is multiple source of income, Connect. And there's a lot of people there, and they connect with each other. And um, they set up joint ventures with each other. They set up affiliate things with each other. Um, you can buy different things there. People sell stuff there. You know, um, they um, they study money there. You know? You've got to get into um, into an environment where money is um, talked about, where it's understood. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, it's interesting you say that because for for years, I have studied money at different levels. And those levels of studying have gotten me to those results. But I've never been able to really, you know, but there's always a cap and you've got to learn something new in order to break through that cap into a new level. And I've never really understood the stock market. I've always just invested in certain things and, and allowed them to just work on their own. But I've never actually taken full ownership of learning it myself. I've always had a financial advisor and things like that. And now I said, you know, what? I just want to understand the stock market. I want to, I want to learn it because I don't know. I'm still uneducated. I don't even know how to buy us. I bought my first stock like a few months ago uh-huh. myself. I've invested in stocks and index funds, but I've actually learned how to do it myself. And I was like, I need to find the best people that are doing this and learn from them and have conversations with them. And it's been amazing in a short amount of time by surrounding myself with people that are doing it at an astronomical level just by having a couple conversations, taking the risk and doing it myself and trying it and learn and fumbling around, having no clue what I'm doing, I'm already seeing growth in a couple of months. But if I didn't have the awareness to ask those questions and surround myself with that knowledge and then apply it and continue to learn from it, I'd still be stuck to where I was before. And so I think that's what we need to – I love the way you talk about the environment – about constantly being curious, asking these questions, and having the conversations because it doesn't matter how successful we are, we'll be stuck to a level of our past knowing until we break through and find a new knowing. I'm curious, for for those who want to learn the millionaire morning routine, they want to master this, they want to learn what do those uh, millionaires and billionaires do with their morning routine. You've already shared a few things that you do. What would it look like if you had 90 minutes in the morning to set yourself up to reprogram your uh, money mindset? Well, I don't think it would take you 90 minutes. Um, you could spend, um, oh God, nine minutes. If you just write down, write, it, write this down right now. I am so happy and grateful. I am so happy and grateful now that I have multiple sources of income. 
I am so happy and grateful now that I have multiple sources of income. You know, if you write that out every day for the next 30, 60 days, you're going to become very, very aware of having multiple sources of income. Wealthy people all have multiple sources. They don't have one or two. They have a whole bunch of them. I don't know how many sources of income I've got. I'm not even interested in figuring it out because somebody else looks after that. I don't look after it. But I do know that you can do that. That's what Keith did it down in New Orleans. God, he just, his life changed so dramatically. And I'll show you different things you can do because anyone can. You want to set up multiple sources of income. You know, I was flying on a plane to um, KL. I used to fly from Toronto to KL once a month and back. It's 25 hours in the air one way. So... Wow. When I'm on the air, in the air, I either work with names, words, or numbers. And I wrote down one with six zeros. And I thought, what is the big deal about a million? You know, you often hear people say, what would you do if you had a million, if you won a million? And uh, I got thinking about it. And I played with that on the plane for quite a while, and it dawned on me they do not have one source of income. They don't have a job. Now, some people have a job earns a million dollars, but that's, that's the unusual one. Mm-hmm. And then I got playing with it further, and I broke it down. They'd have, they'd have more than one, and then I got it multiple, so, and then MSI. Well, then I got thinking we should run a seminar, teach people to earn a million dollars by setting up multiple sources of income. And when I got off the plane, I phoned Mark Victor Hansen down in Newport Beach. I, I was in KL. I woke him up in the middle of the night and um, I got talking. He said, great idea. So we started the million dollar forum and he got involved in Bernie Dorman, who just passed away and Jack Canfield and Lee Poulos. In fact, that's where the chicken soup for the soul books came from from that particular seminar. And we were teaching people to set up multiple sources of income. Well, they earned many millions from that, but that's where that started. And you uh, are in a beautiful position to set up all kinds of sources of income. So when you think of wealth, you know, you might only earn 10 or 15,000 from one source. You might earn uh, two or 300,000 from another but you have a lot of them. right? And that's where you'll earn wealth. Like I don't invest in the stock market. Um, my wife's bought stocks, uh, Sandy buys stocks, I think. I just don't pay attention to it. It's not, it doesn't interest me. Mm-hmm. I'd rather earn it by thinking, putting an idea to work than let the stock market do for me. That's not, that doesn't excite me. Sure. Um, I'd rather sit here and think of, I, I sat here for another hour after we left. I could think of a way of creating a source of income. And, and it would be a damn good one because they're all good. I, right. Very creative. My mind is, you know, conditioned along that level. Yeah. Well, what do you think are three skills everyone should learn in order to generate more wealth? 
and generate more income for themselves or just to improve the quality of their life in general? What are those three skills you wish everyone could master? Well, you've got to be, you've got to be fairly creative. You've got to have a free flow of energy. Energy has to flow through. You can't be stubborn. You can't lock in on, on something and not want to let go of it. Um, you've got to have a free flow. You've got to um, mm-hmm. be interested in, in ideas, new ideas. I, I, you were talking about not wanting to watch television. I don't watch much. I love watching Shark Tank, though. Yeah, it's great. And I, I like watching... Kevin O'Leary yesterday. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> well, well, they were... You worked with him yesterday, did you say? I just uh, had Kevin O'Leary on yesterday. Yeah. Well, you see, now that guy's mind, it's amazing the way it works. Yeah. But you watch all of them, all those sharks. Their mind, it, it works like a rocket, you know? Mm-hmm. And they, they break things down. Somebody will say something. They break all kinds of things down from what the one thing the person will say. They are very, very sharp, every one of them. And Kevin is yeah. certainly one of the sharp ones on there. But they all are, you know? I don't know if there's one any sharper than other. But they've got a very free flow of ideas. Yep. So flow of energy, free flow, interested in new ideas. What's another I think you have to be service-oriented. You really have to mm-hmm. be thinking of how to do things for people, how to help people. Because money is a reward received for service rendered. Yeah. It's hard to, uh, it's hard to help others when you're always consumed with the negativity in your own life. Oh, well, I mean, that's... Mentality. <laughs> that's why... Poor people remain poor. <laughs> They're so locked into their problems. But if you, um, listen, if a person is like that, let's suppose they're really locked in on problems, but they hear what I've just said. They really got to think of serving others. How can I serve others? How can I be of greater service? Um, you're going to figure it out. Discipline yourself for, let's say, 30, 60, 90 minutes a day, sitting down and thinking of writing down 10 ideas that could be of service to other people. And you probably won't get very good ones for the first little while, but if you keep doing it, they'll keep coming. You know? Absolutely. Or you'll try stuff in the beginning and you'll, you'll learn something from those efforts and you'll realize how to make them better yeah. and you, you maybe maybe don't stick with them when i started i was like doing stuff just hustling around trying to figure it out and you realize what doesn't work for you until you re- realize what does work what's something else you recommend doing in the morning routine i know you mentioned writing down this sentence every day i'm so happy and grateful that now i have multiple sources of income what other things would you recommend for people to, to develop that millionaire mindset in the morning Get books on on money. Mm-hmm. Um, you too can be prosperous. Is one. You that was the one by Robert Russell. You too can be prosperous. Think and grow rich. Um, who else have I got there? The master key to riches. By Napoleon Hill. Get reading these books um, yeah. and get a partner to read them with. 
The partner doesn't have to be somebody you're living with, could be some on the other side of the country. You, um, why, why, why is that important to have a partner reading with you? Uh, well, you usually will do it. And if you take, here's a great book. Power of Awareness. Now, when you look at this, it's got a red band across the bottom. The Power of Awareness, you'll find it without this red band. Don't get that. This is the one. This has also included Awakened Imagination, Power of Awareness by Neville. This is a phenomenal book. This is going to expand the mind. Then get into Master Key on Riches. You too can be prosperous and think and grow rich. On money. This one, Awareness. It's so good. This is one of the better books mm. I've ever read. Well, I'll have to get that for sure. Yeah. Oh, you definitely want it. You've been around a lot of successful people uh, for many years, and the longer, the the older we get, the longer we live. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of people in our lives start to to leave this earth. Yeah. And I'm 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 assuming you've had a lot of great relationships that uh, those people are no longer with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does that do uh, for you when you realize that you're outliving a lot of people that you maybe grew up with or you did partnerships with or that were mm-hmm. Influential in your life, uh, you know, at the same time that you've been around, what does that do for you? How does that make you feel and think about when you realize that? You know, I read a book many years ago, Dry Those Tears. Dry Those Tears by Robert Russell. It's on death and dying. It's a phenomenal book. After I read that, everything changed. You are a soul. You don't have one. You are one. You moved into your body, you'll move out of your body. If nothing is created or destroyed, there's only one, that's postulates, one theory, life. There is no such thing as death. And I think as we start to understand this, then we handle death totally different. Birth and death are both transitions. You moved into the body, you'll move out of it. Why are we joyous when somebody moves into a body, a new baby, but we're so upset when they move out of it? Well, we lose the physical part. But you, um, I think you gain a better understanding of death as we know it um, and change your concept of it. It's, um, I don't see anybody as gone. I just see gone physically. You can still communicate with them. And you communicate through thoughts. Spirit's omnipresent. Um, it's in all religions. It's not a new idea. Um, I don't hang around many old people, though. I hang around. Somebody asked me how I stay young. <laughs> I hang around young people. <laughs> it's true. You know, it was a joke when I first said it. But um, it's not a joke. It's the truth. I... Um, I... Uh, I mix mostly with young people. The, uh, we've got a phenomenal team of people in the company, and they're, um, they're great individuals. They really are. And people stay in our company for a long time. 
like my assistants worked with me for 34 years. And, and we, we helped the people in the country company grow. Like I often mention, we've got a chief operating officer. She's also the marketing director. She was a nanny when she came to work with us. She had no business experience at all. <laughs> and um, she just grew up in the company. But we see a lot of That's people cool. in our company like that. And uh, yeah. the longer we're around, the more we develop people like that. You know, yeah. Is there... Is is death something you think about, or is it something you're afraid of or concerned uh, oh, about? Oh, I'm not at all? at all afraid of it. No, I'm. Sometimes I look forward to it, um, and then I smarten up and I thought, wait a minute, <laughs> when the time comes, it's going to come. I, yeah. You know, um, I am. I am so damn interested in what I'm doing. Um, like I often say, I'd be pissed off if I died right now because I got so much to do. I'm working on a lot of projects right now, and. Mm. Uh, I got a lot of work to do. We've got. And what? What year were you born again? Nineteen thirty-four. What's the? What's the thing that's inspired you the most that you've witnessed in the world, in America, uh, innovations, ideas? Oh, just anything. Just the constant evolution of change. It's hmm. everything changes so fast, you know. Um, Eric Hoffer one time said, uh, that if we, let me put it, um, everything's changing so fast, we've got, to, we've got to keep up with it. We can't let the change stop us. Um, Kind of forgotten. There's a quote that was fresh in my mind and it just left me now. But he was so right. You've got to, you've got to stay with it. You've got to keep changing. You know, if you um, if you don't, you're sunk. Was there a decade that was hardest for you to adapt to or change? Well, the sixties. The sixties. The sixties was hell on wheels for me because that's when I get into this book. <laughs> you see. And, um, man, I had my past trying to pull me one way and the books and the people were trying to pull me the other way. I mean, I felt like I was in a tug of war with myself, you know. Um, 70s, it got pretty good. But the 60s was, that was a, it was a rough decade. <laughs> really what, about the, what about the advancement of, of technologies from just cars to planes to uh having phones and cell phones oh, and, well, you know social media have, all these things that are you know i've tried to stay up with it you know i'm um, i'm not as proficient as i'd like to be with computers i'd like to be able to know more how to work with them better but you know i've got a couple of phones and i've got a pad and computer going all the time um i make powerpoints myself uh you know wow. um I try and stay up with what's going on. So you're you're on TikTok yourself, huh, Bob? No, I'm not. <laughs> no, no. You know the truth. I don't get on any of the things myself because we've got a staff looking after all that. And if I get That's in, nice. I might screw up one of the routines that they've got. They've got a a pattern that they're working. So, like, sure. I don't even go on Facebook. Um, yeah, but I'm, your team—you've got a team that's up to date with everything oh, for yeah. you, which is yeah. Nice. We've got yeah. we've got some excellent people that are on top of that all the time. Like I was saying, we've got um, 
we picked up the million viewers on uh, YouTube. We got mm -hmm. the this plaque here from them a while ago. But we've got, got, the, the, we've got the, it's a gold plaque, right? Pardon? Yeah. It's a gold plaque. Yeah, we yeah. just hit a million, so we'll, we'll hopefully we'll get that in the mail soon. Yeah. Um, I love that. What's been the the most exciting uh, decade or innovation that's happened for you in your life, where things started to evolve and change beyond the beyond the seventies? What's the uh, the innovation that's been exciting for you? That's really supporting um, you. I think this the time we're in right now is the best. I mean, I just love it. Um, there's so much going on. And I sit out here in the backyard under an, under a big un, umbrella, and I'd sit out there and I'd look at the back of the yard and I'd get an idea. God, if I built a little place there and I could put a camera in it, and Sandy said, let's do it. So, I don't know, we got over a million dollars in this place, I guess. and but. We've got cameras all over the place. Like you, the camera you're on comes out of the ceiling. I got a monitor over here I can see, and I got another one here. Wow. I got, I got one, two, three, four, five, six cameras right in, in this area. And then there's a control, and this is a what you call a floating cell. This is the building inside the building, so the outside doesn't touch the inside. And um, and then there's a control room down there where Scott Edwards, he's the program director, he's over in, in Manchester, England right now, but he can take all this that's recorded, he could edit it back there in the control room, do it all, ship it out wherever we want to go. Um, we've got just all kinds of material and memory back there. We broadcast, we do a seminar. I think the last one we did, it was 119 countries we went into. Mm, wow. Uh, yeah. It's inspiring. So this is, this is an interesting time for me. And what we're doing now, we're bringing some young people in that really understand how to do some pretty jazzy stuff, you know. Uh, and I love, just love getting up on it and doing it. Well, you're doing amazing things, Bob, and it's always a, a pleasure to connect with you and, and see you. And hopefully we'll get to hang out soon here in person. When I can go to Canada, you can come to L.A. next. Yeah. Um, I, want, I want to make sure people, everyone watching on YouTube, uh, make sure to leave a comment below here on YouTube of the biggest takeaway. And if you want me to have Bob back on for more, then just leave a hashtag greatness below in the comments so we know that you want more of Bob. And uh, make sure to subscribe to Bob's channel over on YouTube. We'll have that linked up in the description if you're listening on audio as well. Uh, follow him on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all those places. What's your, what's your YouTube as well? Because I want to make sure people go there. Just Bob Proctor, I guess. Just Proctor Bob, Gallagher, Proctor, on, Bob, Bob on Proctor, Proctor Gallagher. The company's Proctor Gallagher Institute. I don't know what the YouTube gotcha. is. I don't know. We'll link it all up. They, yeah. they, they just go for we'll, Bob Proctor. They'll find us. You know. Exactly. Yeah. How else can we be of service to you today, Gee, Bob? Listen, you're doing good now. This is great. I'm thinking, how can we help you? I think we're helping each other right now. You know. That's it. That's yeah. it. And that's well, really well, what I want to acknowledge you. You know. It is being in service to other people. Yeah. Um, and I want to acknowledge you. I, lo I love acknowledging you, Bob, because you've been an inspiration to so many people. Uh, I think a lot of people really mainstream in the world got to know about you over a decade ago and with the secret. Uh, and uh, since then, I've gotten to know you even more. And I'm just appreciative of your your young heart, your curious mind, your 
your ability to stay in repetition on things that are meaningful over and over and over again so you can improve and your willingness to teach so many people. You know, you continue to show up and serve and serve and serve. And you, you've set a great example for me. So I'm just appreciative of you. I'm appreciative of our friendship. I'm appreciative of how you are in constant giving mode. And uh, I hope people enjoyed this this interview. But is there any any other final thoughts before we Alivia, wrap up the today? And, came to me that I was trying to think of. Eric Harper right. said, the learners will inherit the earth. While the learned find themselves beautifully equipped to deal with a world that no longer exists. The learners will inherit the earth, while the learned find themselves beautifully equipped to deal with a world that no longer exists. See, there's no such thing as a learned person. You're either learning or you're not. That's it. Learning isn't something you fill up and put a cap on. Beautiful truth. Just keep learning. Keep learning. Bob Proctor, my friend. Thank you so much for being here. And if you guys want to hear, if you want to hear Bob's three truths and his definition of greatness, that's in a previous episode. Make sure to go watch or listen to that. And Bob, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Lewis, how it is such a pleasure being on your show. When Gina phoned me and told me, and I think we had to back out of one for some reason or another here a couple of weeks ago. And when I saw you back on the calendar, I thought, well, that's good. I like his show. I like it a lot. You have, <laughs> you have one of the best shows online. No question about it. Thank you. And where you've just gone over a million, you'll go in many millions because you do a good job. You're a good interviewer and you get great, great people on. I love watching you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope it brought you value. I hope it brought you inspiration, clarity, strategies, tools, techniques to improve the quality of your life, to enhance your thoughts, the positivity that you can bring to the world to go conquer your goals and increase the value of your life and the people around you. If you enjoyed this, then spread the message of greatness forward. Text a few friends right now the link, lewishouse.com slash 1090, or copy and paste the link wherever you're listening to this. Text those friends, say, hey, you got to check this out and listen right now post it on social media put it wherever you think people would find this valuable and again if this is your first time here and if you enjoyed this then click that subscribe button right now on apple Podcasts or spotify so you can get notified of the latest and greatest minds in the world who reveal their secrets to greatness every single week here on the school of greatness and whatever part you enjoyed the most leave a review and a rating and let us know that part that you enjoyed because i love hearing from all of you comment on the ratings and review section on apple Podcasts. And if you want inspirational messages sent to your phone from my text every single week, I send out messages to our community via text. Just text the word podcast right now to 614-350-3960. Again, text the word podcast to get on my secret texting list to 614-350-3960. And I want to leave you with this quote from Wayne Dyer, who said, you create your thoughts, your thoughts create your intentions, and your intentions create your reality. What type of life and what type of reality are you creating today? I want you to think about that. I want you to ask yourself, what type of thoughts do you have consistently? And what is the life that you have right now? Are you happy with it? Or do you want to create something different? Because you have the power to do that if you use this information wisely and start taking small, actionable steps every single day towards your big goals and dreams. Whew! I'm excited. I hope you enjoyed this. And I want to remind you, if no one's told you lately, that you are loved, you are worthy, and you matter. I'm so grateful for you. And you know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great.
The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.